Welcome into another episode of ESPN's NBL podcast. My name's Kane Pittman, and alongside me, uh, my esteemed colleague, and uh, I was thinking this morning as I walked in, a former NBL media award winner, Olga Nulich. Is that correct? Is it former or is it one time? One time. One time, because former implies I don't have it anymore. It's in my it's in my living room. I think they actually scrapped the award when you left, which doesn't <laughs> say <didn't>. a, doesn't <laughs> say a lot about me and or anyone else. But uh, we are here. We're going to win it this four. year, you and me. Finalists, at, at the very least. Uh, <laughs> we're at the end of round four. The Kings are still on top of the ladder. The Breakers and Taipan second and third. Who would have thought at this point of the season? But uh, I think a couple of the teams that we've discussed a number of times in this podcast, once again, are the leaders of the pack in terms of storylines, and that would be Melbourne United and the Brisbane Bullets. Olgs, uh, what did you take away from this weekend's basketball? We were in attendance for a couple more, uh, let's say, interesting Melbourne United games. We we spoke about it at the time too, and I don't want to keep talking about Melbourne in this way because it's it's in the same vein in which we entered every press conference too, which was, we're just going to ask them the same stuff. Like, when is Shea Ely going to come back? Um, you know, what's what were the issues out there offensively? And it's the same answers because the, the issues are only going to be fixed with time. Um and that's exactly what happened again. They lost to Cairns at home. They lost to Sydney at home. Um, and it, it was wholly unsurprising. Not having Shea Ely is something that absolutely kills this roster. And not having any depth from a scoring perspective, from a backcourt perspective, they just don't have the bodies out there to be a, an effective, fun, like functional offensive team. Um, and that's why they're the second worst offensive team in the league, only behind Illawarra, who are missing a point guard and missing a whole bunch of people. You are, actually. It's a good point you make. The two teams that are really struggling offensively in the Hawks and United both are missing a point guard, essentially, at this point in the season. So before we dive into this Melbourne stuff, I will say, if you're a Breakers fan or a Titans fan or perhaps in particular a Jack Jumpers fan, we'll get to you guys Mm. at some point through this podcast. But I think the big talking point over the weekend was the press conference with Dean Vickerman uh, post the game on the weekend against the Sydney Kings before this press conference started we were both attending and I said to you I don't know if I can write the Melbourne story again because I'd done it the two previous Sunday afternoons and it was basically the Melbourne United disaster story they're really struggling why are they struggling do they need to change the roster are they really going to be boosted back to where they want to be with the return of Shea Ely and then it was again one of the more fascinating press conferences we've seen so uh, Dean Vickerman's been open he said that roster change is coming to be fair Uh, I just asked him straight up are you convinced at this point that this roster basically isn't it he said yep I said okay fair enough I said so are you looking to replace a big man and then I, I think we had the grab but he went into a lengthy spiel about Jack White and Jordan Caroline that really sent social media alight You've been really open about the roster situation. Mm. Um, yeah, you'll get some guys back from a health perspective, but you've spoken about the bench and the trust. Are you convinced or, or thinking that you do need to change something with this roster at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been open. We're, we're searching for a guy. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've, we haven't found the right guy yet. I thought the shots JC had tonight was like, you know, we were talking in the locker room. It's like, wow, you've... 
Jack White had every one of those kind of catches where he caught it and those takes at the rim and just were able to finish it. You know, there were 11 kind of good shots. But we, he just hasn't been able to finish some of those over the length of, of people in this league. Um, it was... I was sort of shocked when, it, when he said it. I, did, I almost didn't believe it. Even when I kind of threw the clip out there on Twitter afterward... I had to ask around a few people, am I treating this fairly? Is this exactly what I'm hearing? And it, it, he said it. Um, I imagine that's something that he's going to apologize for. Um, just at the at the very least to to show some fairness to, to Jordan Caroline, who is a human being, he's a dad, that sort of thing. I imagine Vickerman is going to walk this back in a way. Um, from our perspective, I'm just happy that we got really honest answers out of mm. press conferences. And we have from Dean Vickerman from the first week of the season, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, the the other sort of concerning part about that press conference was he said we're getting a point, point guard back next week in Lockie Barker, who has handled the ball decently for this team, but it wasn't... He didn't say Shea Illy. He said that Shea Illy had a slight... Not a setback, but he had some symptoms after a practice, you know, this week, and so... He could play next week, but that's really... As much as we point to Jordan Caroline and, you know, the struggles he's had, you know, finishing around the rim with his touch and things like that, and the fact that his departure is inevitable and they're looking to bring someone in and they're asking around, the not ha- not having a point guard is their biggest issue. Um, XRM was not brought in to be the floor general for this team. He was brought in to be a spark plug off the bench. Um, Shea Illy's not going to fix all of their problems, but... He's going to make sure that the, at the very least they are settled in like a functional basketball team because right now they just don't look like it. As you mentioned, so ninth in offense or offensive efficiency, so really around 100 points per 100 possessions, which is a very low total, particularly in modern-day basketball. Uh, defensively, they're also eighth, so they haven't been able to necessarily stop teams. Of course, there's been a couple of blowout losses there mixed in, but I want to drill down into the press conference a little bit more because I've been fascinated by this, and... I do think there is a level of contradiction uh, from the wider population when we want coaches to say interesting stuff in the press conference. And I would say that this was a little bit different because I don't think that any of the questions really prompted that response. It was quite mild, hey? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty simple question. I I just said, are you looking to have a big... And then he saw... Vickerman sort of launched into the the longest spiel about Caroline and Jack White. And I think overall, I mean, we all understand it, that they would prefer to have Jack White on this roster and they would prefer to have Matthew Dalvadova, who I will say, uh, Daly wasn't dominant last year in the NBL, but the one thing you've learned about his absence this year with Melbourne United is that every single night he would just keep the offense ticking. He would get into the offense quickly, he would have everything flowing, and you never had to worry about the offensive function of this Melbourne United team. But I I was a little taken aback, and I've said this before. I always listen to players, because they're ultimately, and, and other coaches, they're the ones that ultimately understand what this type of comment would do within a locker room. And we did see the tweet from DJ Vasiljevic, who said that he didn't like the fact that uh, the term that's been thrown around, Caroline was thrown under the bus. So I take that I take that pretty seriously because that gives you an insight into what a locker room might think about this. But I also think that there is an element that this was, and it has been for a number of re- weeks now, honest from Dean Vickerman, which a lot of the times is what the fans want 
They don't want cliches in the press conferences. They want more honesty. So I think it's an interesting balance. Maybe this was taken a little too far, but I, I don't think it's 100% cut or dry. No, it's, it's, a, it's interesting because, so again, as fans, we, we want, on, and as journalists, we want honesty, right? And we, we really appreciate the fact that like he basically spilled the stuff that they've been talking about behind closed doors. That's a cool thing for us to hear. Um, from, from like you said, the player side of things, someone who's in that team, probably not ideal for your coach to practically, to effectively say, yeah. I miss this player that I once had. Sure. Um, and you speak of Della Vadova and his numbers weren't out of this world, but you look at Joe Luala-Truil's impressive mm-hmm. season and a big part of him being able to be effective is having a point guard who can get him the ball and things like that. So like his impact is, is missed a lot. Jack White really... I, I say this lovingly to Jack White. He like screwed this team by taking the opportunity, and, and he, but he absolutely should have taken the opportunity, right? He, there is, there he, should be, there should be screwed, no ill feelings. He screwed the team by furthering his career and life. Totally, he, there, there should be no <laughs> ill feelings to Jack White pursuing his dream and, and getting that that two way deal with yes. Denver. Yeah. But in doing so, he put Melbourne United in a very tough spot, right? And again, it's not his re- responsibility to, mm-hmm. to keep Melbourne United in a great spot. Um, the the throwing under the busting. Oh, thanks, Siri. Um, the throwing. You, there's always something with you, and like, and what was the, Siri's offended about the Jack White comment as well? I know my Siri's also. I made her Irish, um, so that's really fun. Can we drill into that? Why? Because it's because it's fun. Irish? It's funny. Well, it's like because you don't expect it because you hear. We're in Australia. You hear lots of Australian series. Okay. And I used to, I lived in America. You lived in... You, you hear some American series. Have an Irish series. Have you been to Ireland? Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so, Jack White. Now, so so the the interesting... The mo- weird moving parts here is that Dean Vickerman isn't just the head coach. He's also practically the GM. He's the one who picks the team. And so, he he's the one who's going to make the the call on this anyway there, there is a board of directors and there's a chairman but Dean Vickerman is the one who makes basketball decisions for this team um, and as Jordan Caroline reaches a point in the season where his contract is about to either be guaranteed or not he for us I appreciate D- Dean Vickerman being open about the, the potential and the probable move that they're about to make could he have done it uh, in a more diplomatic way probably um but I feel like it's something that this team will probably forget about once a new guy comes in and once Shaili comes mm. back and once they're rolling again. That this league has a tendency to to react to the most recent thing and forget about the things that happened slightly before it. And overall, this team is just frustrated because they keep losing at home too. If they're able to get some guys back and maybe they do make an influential move and they start winning, I'm sure things uh, will patch itself up. And I uh, one last point on this one. This was a little bit of a follow-on from previous week's press conferences as well. And Vickerman did say last week that he'd had conversations with Jordan Caroline about potentially trying to bring in Joe Chi and like specific other big men. So I, I think that Jordan Caroline is, is, understands the situation. I do feel bad for him because a couple of times during the game, I mentioned to you that he just looks like he's trying so hard because he's pressing, yep. he's under pressure, he wants to do the right thing, and he to Vickerman's point, he was in the right spot so many times in this game. It was just an inability uh, to finish, unfortunately. And and again, to Caroline's credit, against the Cairns Taipans, he did a good job on Keanu Pinder in some of the possessions he had against him. Did a decent job against Xavier Cooks. So like he 
he hasn't been completely ineffective. Um, I just, considering what this team is missing and the holes that exist here, I just I don't think he fills them. And I think they just need someone like, at a at a like a ton of a higher quality than what Jordan Caroline can give the NBL. Yeah, this team. I mean, overall, does need change. They need guys back. And right now, they haven't got the roster that is competitive. So we understand that there is going to be change coming. Uh, We've spoken a lot about expansion uh, on this podcast. Uh, Do you think an expansion to Ireland is possible in the near future? Why not? Why not? (laughs) Travel would be a problem. All right, let's talk about the Bullets. Yeah. They won. Yeah. <laughs> they they beat the the Hawks who yeah don't have Peyton Seaver because he's hanging out with Jack Harlow. Technically, uh, they've never had him. True. Yes. But they they don't have an import point guard. Peyton Seaver is arriving today. I think we're recording this on a Tuesday. I mm-hmm. think he arrives in Wollongong today. Um, they don't have him. They haven't had really a functional offense for a good amount of time. Tyler Harvey. I've got to check these numbers, but I would be surprised if he's shooting more higher than. 25% on the season he's just really struggling with his shot and a big part of that is not having a point guard next to him like an actual creator uh, who can you know get him decent looks um, but Brisbane they they looked solid offensively and I think they've been a decent offensive team this entire time Yeah. Um, they seem to be uh, more intent to throw it into Aaron Baines in this game and that, that makes sense against Froling who's I guess a younger big and um, at Hawks front court that's, that's not too large so throwing it into Aaron Bain seemed to be um, the strategy going into this one and it worked out he had 17 and 14 probably his best game you know since his significant injury um, I don't think all their issues are fixed and I don't think that James Duncan's job suddenly becomes you know wholly protected now but at the very least it's like a giant monkey off Brisbane's back yeah they needed it I actually just before coming in to the studio here I was on the phone with Sam McKinnon from the Bullets front office because I wanted to ask him a bunch of questions and I actually sent him a text yesterday and said can we talk Tuesday morning because I wanted to see what happened in this game first and I actually last night as I was doing some prep for occasionally do some prep I was doing some prep for this podcast you're so brave (laughs) thank you so much professional (laughs) and defensive rating of 117.2 was not even close to the ninth ranked team it was the worst defense by by an absolute mile now, they gave up 56 points last night, so that's going to do some good stuff for the advanced numbers defensively. But as you pointed to, the Hawks are the worst offense in the league, um, so I'm not sure how much we read into it. They play the Hawks again on Thursday night. Uh, but, you know, chatting with Sam McKinnon, and he pointed to specifically the the Bain stuff, that there is, as soon as you sign Aaron Baines, you're going to get all this pressure on the team. Everyone is going to expect that you're going to get prime Aaron Baines, which is obviously a ludicrous idea in the first place because he hasn't played. Maybe he gets to a level where the performance last night is is more the norm than, than what we've seen in the first couple of weeks. Um, but also maybe not. But he's such a huge name that this team was expected to do so much right from the outset. But they definitely played a different style of basketball last night. I think getting DJ Mitchell back into the lineup was created better balance. Um, but I think overall, still with this team, they should continue to improve. Nathan Sobey's looked better the last couple of games. But I still think that there is a roster imbalance with the four big guys. And, and I think that it wouldn't surprise me if we do see still some change on this roster. Yeah, it, 
it was really so they played Southeast Melbourne to start the round, um, and they had suspended DJ Mitchell for that game, which yeah. I understand. And I asked James Duncan about it after the game. He said we don't compromise on our values, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it threw everything off. Well, because they had to go in this, they had to throw this zone out there with Tyrell Harrison and Harry Froling as like the two big dudes in there, and Mitch Creek. There was no adequate sort of three four guy to go and guard Mitch Creek. Um, and that that's DJ Mitchell. Uh, and that's probably going to be his role going forward on this team. He was back for that game against Illawarra, and he did well. The team did well. They, they seemed to move the ball decently. You mentioned the expectations that come with having Aaron Baines on your team. Um, like, I don't I don't know why there was ever an expectation that he was going to come in and average like 20 and 10, because that's just never been what he does. He had... He's had moments where he can kind of get hot and he can shoot the three well and has a decent touch around the rim. It's the it, Brockoff effect. The Brockoff effect, like, it's it's also, I don't want to mention it, it's sort of the Kaisoto effect where it's like, oh, you have this famous person come in. He must be prominent. No, that's just not how basketball works, right? There, there have been a ton of next stars offered to teams who have a ton of Instagram followers, but they're not going to be effective for those teams, so those teams don't take them, right? You bring guys in if you think they're going to be effective and, and functional players on your team not if they're going to be famous people so Baines was going to come in and make an impact we all just thought that would be defensively and that's why it was wild that up until this point and we've got to check the numbers after (laughs) they kind of destroyed the Hawks but they've been the worst defensive team in the league so that's where I think the Baines effect really hasn't been felt Um, and I think what they did against the Hawks which is getting him involved on the offensive end I feel like that does sort of lift him up and energize him and, and make him more effective defensively too. Um, again, Brisbane's not fixed by any means. Um, I do like the change of putting Kadi mm-hmm. next to Sobi in the starting group and having Tyler Johnson come off the bench. Um, it is very curious that Devondrick Walker played five minutes against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. I think he had five points because um, I, I think he's an effective you know, guard wing for that team. So... It makes me think that a change could be in the offing and whether I, I don't know what need they're going to fill. It might be that kind of 3-4 sort of guy, I think so. um, which I think they absolutely need. So if that change is coming, I imagine it comes relatively soon. And then I think the, the JD, the James Duncan coaching watch is still something to keep an eye on because I, I don't think he's completely out of the water. I did ask Sam whether James Duncan was under pressure and he said... Yeah, he is. But so am I. Because <laughs> cause we, we look at this roster and, and, and where we're at. So I don't think they're shying away from it. I heard James Duncan when you asked him and he said, well, this is professional basketball, which is kind of a cliche answer. That's that's a pretty straight bat. We want more Dean Vickerman answers. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty straight bat. I miss Andre Lamanis. That's what I want. That, that's right <laughs> down the line. But yeah, I think it's fair to say he's under pressure and uh, a huge relief for Brisbane to get this win. But ultimately, I don't think it means a lot at the moment. Uh, they need to get some home games. So they'll get a home game, only the second home game, which is still very strange to me. I don't understand why uh, the schedule played out uh, the way it did. But Aaron Baines had a, had a big impact uh, on both sides of the ball. And it might not necessarily be, to your point, stuff in the box score. But he's always been an impactful player without necessarily doing that. So nonetheless, I still think he's going to have a huge impact on this team. By the way, I just looked it up. Brisbane Bullets. Defensive rating down to 109 uh, so that's you know still smallish sample size we are quarter of the, the way through the season yeah. just about though so you know, it, it was time for the bullets uh, to have a win there's no doubt about that what do you think about the tazzy jack jumpers though 
I mean, this they're real. They're back. Yeah, they're... I, I was worried because going into the season, I was so high on them. I try to tell everyone around me that this, this is a real team. And they don't just, like, work harder than you. It's not just, like... It's not just a pretend we defend the island sort of mentality that they have. I think they're a genuinely good basketball team. Like, they play a good brand of basketball on both ends of the floor. And if they are hitting shots at a reasonable level, then they can compete in every single game. Against Perth, they hit shots at an extreme level. So they were able to blow out the Wildcats. But, like, I said this early on. If they can be a top three defense, like they have the potential to be, right now I think they're in the four, like three, four range. Um, but that's because they had a tough start to zero and three start to the season. If they can defend like that, and then everyone knows their role on the other end, they move the ball like they've been doing really well the past four games. They can do that. They get good looks. If they can hit those shots, then they can compete in every game. There's a reason they've won four in a row, um, and against not horrible teams, and they, and they've done it really, really convincingly too. They they look like a really functional basketball team out there, um, like. Do you? How real do you think they are? No, they're really good. And this is why I think the first podcast we did, the stat that I threw out there, because it was so bizarre, because I know we've only had a short lifespan of watching the Jack Jumpers, but last year, to your point, against the Wildcats on Saturday night, they hit all these threes, so they couldn't lose, which was exactly what happened last year. Five times last year, they were over 40% from three. They were 5-0 and in those games, because when the Jack Jumpers shoot well, you can trust the defense so much Yep. that if they're scoring you can't beat them but in the first two weeks of this year they shot over 40 percent from three and they lost both of those games they'd literally not done that once last season so it was just bizarre what happened to the defense we caught up with scott roth last week in melbourne and he was kind of like i don't really know what happened at the start of the year but we were just <laughs> trying to figure it out we were trying everyone was trying to iron out uh, their roles on this team and the import stuff is interesting so a bit of trivia for you uh, unprompted who do you think is the highest usage player on the jack jumpers now of course this is when guys are on the floor so it doesn't necessarily mean a, a big minute player but who would you say so if i'm going to give my like wanky answer um i have a feeling that rashad kelly's like touches to minutes ratio are pretty high because like, i don't think he plays a ton of minutes but i think he gets a lot of touches is that have i done it yeah you've done it so let's go <clears throat> 23 minutes on the weekend 16 points and 13 shots in those 23 minutes he's not messing around but hey 7 for 13 from the field uh, and 7 for 9 from 2 point range you're not going to complain about that but it's just interesting again because we hear Scott Roth say all the time I don't care about who's starting and more importantly I don't care who wants to start because if that's the problem in the locker room then don't even bother playing in Tassie so we asked at the start of the season do you put Rashad Kelly in the starting lineup Matt Kenyon does he go to the bench but all the time we look at it, Carl Adnan with Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they need him in a six-man role because you don't necessarily want him jacking up all the shots when your starters and your best players are on the floor. I think it's the same with Retire Mays in Melbourne. You want him off the bench in an ideal world so you can maximize Golden, you can maximize Tucker, Isaac Humphreys, and I think Rashad Kelly might be of the same mold with the Jack Jumpers because you can mix and match your rotation, and when he's out there, you get maximum value offensively on a team that overall does struggle to score a little bit and i want to give a shout out to matt kenyon who i criticized a few episodes ago um because of his not his necessarily his inability to shoot but his lack of a desire to shoot um he not only played really really good d on bryce cotton 
Um, not only did he get a ton of offensive rebounds, which is something that he's really, really good at, and which is a type of creation, which is great, um, but he shot the shots that he needed to in order to allow that offense to function. He hit four of them. He was four of six from three, which he may not do again. He might go one of five the next game. He might go two of seven, but he has to shoot those shots in order for this offense to function. So shout out to him for that. Um, and on your point on you know what Roth said about who starts and things like that, if you go through this season of, of box scores for Tasmania, I don't know if anyone ever plays over 30 minutes. Yeah. The, the nature of this team is that guys only have to pay, play 20 to 25 minutes because it's not necessarily about how talented the person is out there. It's how that person fits in the offense at the time. And so they're able to... to to sit Milton Doyle for stretches because you can have, you know, guys come in and, and fill that spot and, and the ball moves regardless. It's not, no one's relying on one person. There are times where I get end of a shot clock, Milton Doyle might have to size up and hit a tough shot. Rashad Kelly might have to do the same thing. But this team is built in the way that doesn't matter who starts, doesn't matter who plays the, the 25 minutes. It, it just matters, you know, who's functional at the time. And they've done a really good job of creating not just that balance, but the culture of you know, the, the high-level high, high level guys, those top-tier dudes being okay with that. Do you think the Sydney Kings... So, I guess we should bring up Sydney. They are on top of the ladder, 5-2. and two. Do you think they should petition for only road games? 16 on the road? I don't know what's going on at home. That it's, it is a weird one. I So, let me ask you this question. It's sort of a tangent, but not really. It's on topic. Um, <laughs> shooting free throws... So we saw this with Rashad, uh, with Rajon Tucker uh, in the Melbourne Cairns game. Is this a Hungry Jacks bit? No, no, no. Okay. I promise, no. Um, Rajon Tucker was, had three free throws to, that would have tied the game. Mm. But he, he missed the first one, obviously. Is there more pressure playing at home? We, we've seen it this whole season. Road teams are somehow winning a ton of games. Is there more pressure playing at home because of the potential of like a, a groaning crowd and things like that? Or am I way overthinking this and ignoring, you know, like 100 years of history of basketball? Well, I don't have much experience in a professional basketball scene to lean on here. Hey, man, I think you're great. But <laughs> but I always had a theory with Giannis that if you started the MVP chant, he was going to miss at least one. <laughs> and I don't know what the stats, I don't have the stats to back that up, but that was something that I always thought was the case with Giannis. But then... He went 17-19 to 19 in Game 6 at home. They win a title. So he probably put the uh, shut the door on that one. I think it it is interesting. I, I do think, and Geordie Hunter, by the way, should be in more press conferences because he was an absolute delight. Jordan Hunter is great. On Sunday. Very funny. If you haven't checked out that press conference, go back and check it out. But he did make the reference to Melbourne playing the Star Wars music. The Darth Vader music, that's right. But I do think Sydney has a lot of characters in the locker room that embrace... Embrace the hate. Let's say that. That's what Buford said, right? Is that what he said? I think Buford... I was listening, Chase, by the way, but... Yeah. He's an avid listener? He is. I hope um, so. So, yeah, I think he, he alluded to that. That they, they kind of embrace being the the villains. And I guess that makes sense. Paul Smith is their owner. He is the, he's the villain of the NBL. Are you surprised at this point that people still take the bait from Paul Smith? <laughs> I just assume everything. Anytime I speak to him, it's off the record. Not not to, not to protect him, but just because I don't want the the pressure of having to publish the things he says. So we said that the Kings <laughs> like to embrace the hate. I wonder if I wonder at any point 
it, there's some player in the locker room that's just like, you know, we just want to play the Adelaide 36ers on Friday night. We don't need them walking in the building absolutely steaming about something that you've said. I am curious about that, but overall, I just love it in general. So do I. And look, they are good enough. They have been together long enough that they're probably one of like the best teams as far as continuity goes. So again, if they continue to, the win, to, to win games, which they are, they're top of the league, um, and they're the best defensive team in the league too. So if they continue to do that, then I guess it's working. Like more home wins would be lovely because it just it's nice to pocket those. And I think Melbourne United might uh, struggle toward the end of the season because of these home games that they've dropped. Mm. Um, but yeah, if it works, it works. Did you have any grandiose takeaways from this Adelaide-Sydney game on Friday night? It was very entertaining, that's all I'll say. And you know, very different teams. I think Sydney is more steady. I think they're more reliable. Adelaide, you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, Craig Randall is still just an absolutely wild player to watch because some of the shots are just unbelievable mm. in terms of shot selection let me say yes he, he knocks down some of them and he certainly did uh in this one on occasions 24 points 9 for 16 from the field but uh it's an interesting i think it would be a really really tough series to predict typically i think defense is going to get it done in the postseason but uh, the firepower of this 36ers roster is real yeah we we knew this coming in they, they were the high risk high reward team um i've been on the train of of really enjoying teams that play a sustainable brand of basketball and I don't think that's what Adelaide is I mm-hmm. think they throw up a lot of bad shots um, but they are talented right and so like Randall is going to have those games and to his credit he, he didn't have it in the first game of the season really but the last two games he's shot the ball really well he's been feeling it um, but it's it's what happens when those shots aren't falling and then the body language slumps and then where does that team turn to? Um, and that, that's that's the fear with this team. You know, they're, they're probably, I think, clearly talented enough to, to be at, like, a top-four finish. Um, we still haven't seen Antonius Cleveland really break out this season. They've only played three games, but haven't seen him really break out, haven't seen Robert Franks really, you know, step up to what we know he can be because I think he's the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once, once they start to click, there is a chance that they can learn how to play amongst each other and play a more sustainable brand of basketball but at this point in if it was like a series or in in a postseason i wouldn't really back them just because of just like how erratic their basketball is again they're talented but i don't know if that's what wins titles it probably makes finals i don't know if it wins titles um before we project ahead any other thoughts you need to get off your chest about last weekend um yeah um oh boy so I don't want to... I, n- I never want, like, ref bashing to be a thing. But, ref, mm. but like, reasonable criticisms, I think, are valid. Um, one of them is... Do you remember at the start of the season when we had the big story of the, the blocking foul rule and how that's new and, you know, if an airborne player comes in contact with a player who's on the ground inside the restricted area, that's a, that's a block, stuff like that. That rule has, like, rarely been enforced or it hasn't consistently been enforced. But for some reason, we have seen, well, at the very least, to start this round, uh, the weird delay of game rule, uh, where if you shoot the sh- if you shoot a shot after a whistle and it's not a continuation situation, then that is a delay of game. Now, that was called, and that could have affected the result of that Cairns-Melbourne game, because um, DJ Hogue got called for a delay of game. He got teed up at the end of that one. 
Um, but then it wasn't called in a bunch of other games. It's also something that players were not told about <laughs> before they started enforcing it really heavily. So I don't know. I just I want there to be more communication between the head of referees to the referees to the players to the teams. Just a lot of people were not told about certain things and they're enforcing them and they can affect the outcome of games which can affect the outcome of of crowd sizes and sponsorships and player contracts and things like that. I just want more communication is all. I'm telling you they are delaying the game by calling these <laughs> delay of games. They are because no one knows what's going on. No. The coaches are going crazy because they can't figure out why there's been a tech called. And then it takes 30 seconds to get the game going again. Where if they had to just grab the rebound from the shot that the player shoots after the whistle, which I get it. They don't have to do it, but it's a habit. They've been doing it for years. It's 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 so like it's it's so like habitual to people, right? Yes. Like you get called for a foul. Oh, I'm just going to take this to the rim because on the way to the rim, that's where the baseline is, which is where the ball's going to be inbounded from anyway, yeah. right? It's 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 such a habit for these dudes they've been doing it forever and I don't like you said they it delays the game more by calling it a delay game it is a redundant like enforcement of that rule and they miss out on one of my uh, favourite things well favourite things is probably a bit extreme but one of the things that I enjoy which is the old Kevin Garnett where I'm not going to let this guy get a shot in so he swats it out of the air for no reason anyway it's very humorous stuff so yeah, just chill out on the delay games. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I wanted to look ahead. So I feel like you asked me, so yeah, you can. You want me to ask you? That's really fun. Exactly right. And <laughs> and I wanted to look ahead. So this Breakers Cairns game from the weekend. So I can tell you that there was someone that I know that works for the league thought that there was an issue with the app. <laughs> they thought the NBL app was broken because the score was twelve to one with a minute left in the first quarter between the Breakers and the Cairns Taipans. The final score was 68-64. to 64. Uh, Not one that's going to go down in the classics. But these two it teams... Gross. It was gross. <laughs> it was gross. But these two teams, second and third... Gritty, they call it, by the way. Okay. These two teams are second and third on the ladder. They continue to be competitive. Uh, but now this week, I am fascinated. New Zealand goes to Adelaide and Cairns has to deal with the revenge game from the Sydney Kings. Ooh. Which one do you feel is more likely to pull off an upset? Uh, the Cairns-Sydney, I think, has more potential for an upset. Mm. Uh, I do understand that the Kings, uh, they do play well coming off losses and coming off that Cairns loss from this past week, I imagine that they'll be very up for that game. Um, I just think what... I think Cairns guards reasonably well um, and I think they just I just trust their talent more on the other end so I have a feeling that if there's going to be like a surprise and if, if we can call it that at this point, it's still very early um, but if, if they're going to sort of basically get more points on the board and stop more points, which is how you win basketball games I have a feeling that they have there's more potential for them to do it. Um, I think they have their stuff a little bit more together I, th- I still think New Zealand is trying to figure some stuff out um, just with, with roles and trying to in- reintroduce Barry Brown back in the mix and things like that. Um, as yeah, I, I say that coming off a spiel about how Adelaide, how Adelaide is erratic <laughs> and it's a high-risk high team, mm. but I just think Adelaide at home against the Breakers team that I think is still kind of figuring some stuff out. I, I trust Cairns and Sydney more. I still think it'll be a Sydney win and an Adelaide win. Um, but yeah, if we're putting probability on it, I would say Cairns. I can't see Sydney losing two games at home in a row to the Cairns Taipans. Yeah. Uh, unless, as Adam Ford has said, 
there is going to be nights where the Taipans hit 18 to 23s. If they do that, clearly they're going to give themselves a chance. And it feels weird to say this, given that Breakers only just scored 68 points on the weekend. Uh, but I do think that they can put up a score that if the 36ers aren't shooting the ball well, they could find themselves in the game in the fourth quarter. So we'll see. One last question before we wrap it up. Yes. Is Keanu Pinder the best big man in the NBL? It's good phrasing. Right now. Today. Good phrasing of that question. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't want to answer it. Um, scared? I'm a bit scared. <laughs> I want to say no, but with like the... But I want to see more. If he can sustain this, because he so he's he played at a really good level last season. Uh, he's playing at a level even above that this season. If he can sustain that for a little bit longer, then absolutely we're having a conversation about it. Um, I just think there are guys who are still like relatively proven, um, and who've maybe just like not produced at the same amount, but they've still been as effective. Um, and so not not yet. But it's a conversation soon, I think. Is Xavier Cook's a big man? That's that's the thing. He plays like a big man. Well, so in the NBL, he is a four-five. Yeah. Right. He's a big man. Keanu Pinder is not better than Xavier Cooks. Right. Both of and they're they're the same position. I I would say. I think they're the the two based on this season. They're the two big men that are at the top of the tree. Robert Franks is not far behind. You think that's fair to say? Based on what? Based on performance through four yeah. rounds. Totally. Through four yeah. rounds? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we still have to see whatever, whoever Melby United brings in, right? If they're going to bring a front court player in. If Isaac Humphreys can perform consistently, if Aaron Baines can perform consistently, mm-hmm. like these are names that absolutely have to be considered. But as of today, you're right. Yeah. There's also no reason to suggest that Keanu Pinder won't just keep getting better because it's been a sharp rise. Uh, from the beginning of last season, really since he went to Cairns. So uh, fun to watch. We saw him last Thursday night in person just have an absolutely monster game against United. And he's he's such a big key to that Cairns mm-hmm. defense. Mm-hmm. They're the, the, one of the best defensive teams in the league right now. Um, and it's because they're really switchy and he allows them to be that. All right, let's wrap this up. Round five starts Thursday night. If you didn't get enough of Brisbane and Illawarra on Monday night, (laughs) you can get them again on Thursday night. Kane, I got enough of it. (laughs) And the Bullets are finally at home. They are at home. And they've yet to win at home, obviously. Yet to win at home, lost to the Sydney Kings. But uh, this is a really good opportunity, as we've spoken about. We're not sure where they sit. We're not sure if this is the roster that they're going to have in a month's time. But two wins in a row, you get yourself back to two and five. They do start to play more home games moving forward. So this is a really big game. Uh, for the Brisbane Bullets and maybe Peyton Siever plays for Illawarra we suspect that could potentially be the case although it's only sort of 48 hours uh, after he gets in the country but uh, Brisbane and Illawarra ESPN.com.au for all your news NBL, NBA everything in between and your box scores too NBL box scores nice. go get them at ESPN.com.au Kane shuns me for I stick with it I no. love no I love it of course you do I just need to work on getting better Wi-Fi I think it's a me problem that's absolutely your problem. All right. We're back every single Tuesday. Although we should say next week, Melbourne Cup, we are in Victoria. So potentially keep an eye out for a Wednesday episode and a player. We've, we've been wanting to get guests through the studio. So the plan is, it's a plan. It's a plan to have a player it's here tentative. next uh, Wednesday as well. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. You can get used to hearing myself, Kane Pittman and Olgan Ulich every single week breaking down the weekend's NBL. Let us know what you think of the show. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.